Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Free agency in full effect. Sekou Smith here on the Hangtime Podcast. My main man John Schumann is en route to Las Vegas for... NBA Summer League action, so uh, no stats from him or anybody else this week. We're going to dive right in to the hot topic all around the league, and it's based in Los Angeles. LeBron James is a largest Los Angeles Laker now. He wasn't the last time we talked to you here on the Hangtime Podcast. DeMarcus Cousins is not a Los Angeles Laker. He's, a, he's going to be a Golden State Warrior. That's one of the many crazy topics that we're going to talk about here with our guest, Bill Orm of The Athletic. Bill Appreciate you coming on. I know you are in the weeds right now, still trying to figure out how the Lakers are going to flesh this roster out around LeBron. How surprising, first of all, was it in L.A.? Not that you got LeBron. I mean, I think that's always been kind of out there. But all of the things that have happened since LeBron committed to the Lakers. I think just everything that happened starting at, you know, officially 901 on on Friday out here was um, has been a pretty wild ride. I mean, it started with Paul George deciding to stay in Oklahoma City and not even giving the Lakers a meeting. I mean, that was a pretty big stunner to everybody out here in L.A. Mm-hmm. The Lakers thought at the very least they were going to have a chance to pitch Paul George. And so then, you know, the very first thing that happens to them is they have the rug pulled out from underneath them on that. And so you then you start worrying, well, what's that mean for LeBron? Is LeBron going to be less likely to come? And on and on and on. And then, boom, LeBron commits. So you're right. It wasn't surprising that LeBron decided to, to come here. But the fact that he decided to come here so quickly without uh, another superstar in place. I mean, that was the big question. The, historically, the thought is that LeBron would only come with another superstar. You know, that was that was quickly debunked on July 1st. But then mm-hmm. as the Lakers started to fill out the roster, I, I think that I don't think anyone would have seen the moves that the Lakers made. I don't think anybody anticipated it. I think we were all caught off guard. I mean, you've got, you bring in Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, and, and Rajon Rondo, three guys who all have kind of checkered pasts, I suppose you'd say, or mm-hmm. kind of not the most highly regarded players around the league in, in terms of, you know, locker room and, and, you know, I think misfit is a term that was thrown around a lot. So you kind of bring those guys in, you don't add any shooting around LeBron James. It was just a weird few days, but now that the the dust has started to settle, it's starting to come into focus a little bit more. You can kind of wrap your head around it as the new normal. Yeah. Do you, uh, this, this notion that they want to redefine the way that LeBron plays, they want to make him not be such a ball dominant player and maybe have guys he can lean on to, to do some of that. Does that make sense to you? Sort of. I mean, it, it does. I also, but I also kind of thought the Lakers had players who would have done that for him already without going out and getting Lance and, and Rondo. You know, Brandon Ingram, assuming he's not part of a, a Kawhi Leonard trade this summer, it you know started thirty games at point guard last year. Yeah. Uh, as a six as a six foot nine point guard, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, I think he's the real the real question mark in this whole thing is what happens to Brandon Ingram. Lonzo Ball obviously is at least as a rookie, was only effective with the ball in his hands. He wasn't, he wasn't able to play really off the ball. And so I, would, I kind of thought that the Lakers already had the, the infrastructure to kind of bring LeBron in and take some of the pressure off of him. So to, to continue to bring in ball handlers makes sense, kind of in that mold. But I, I think that some of the guys they brought in perhaps take away from some of their young guys, which I, I think is counterintuitive to kind of what they said was going to be their goal. But it's also, it's also one-year deals. I mean, this is also a short-term play. So right. it, it's, none of this is permanent. None of it's really that serious in, in the grand scheme of things. It's just, 
it's just surprising. It's also fresh, but I do think at some point the Lakers are going to need to figure out some shooters. Uh, Andre Ingram, my guy, who I, I wrote a big story about Andre <laughs> yeah. Ingram, the, the, the end of season call up uh, from the G League, 50% shooter in the G League. Maybe he needs to find his way to training camp. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously more shooting in today's NBA, it, it, you know, makes sense for, for basically everybody. You mentioned Lonzo Ball. His situation is the one that's always going to be kind of looming in the in the background for the Lakers, as long as Levar Ball continues to uh, make the rounds, you know, and and speak his mind the way he has. Are are you concerned at all for his progress with Rondo in tow, and in the fact that you know the idea of Rondo coming in as this mentor and backup point guard sounds good until he gets there, and you recognize you're better and more dynamic when he's in his familiar role of running the show. Yeah. I, I look, I think, I think it's a real, a real, a real issue. And I also don't think it's one that the Lakers are, are not prepared for. I, I wrote a big thing this week, basically making the point that last year, the Lakers did not challenge Alonzo ball. They didn't bring, they didn't have another veteran point guard on the roster. There was nobody pushing him for that job. They gave him the opportunity to just take it. They said, here's the keys to the, the team. Here it is. Just take it. It worked to kind of, um, you know, middling uh, effects and, mm-hmm. and, and I think that they're taking a different approach now. I don't think with LeBron James in 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 on in the locker room, you can take that approach anymore. You can't just say, "Okay, Lonzo, you go be LeBron James's point guard now." You know how to do that. He doesn't. And so they're giving him the prototype player to show him, but also to challenge him. And and if Lonzo doesn't embrace that challenge, or if he's not ready at the start of training camp, and I do think that's you know a real concern just with his meniscus. I, you know, I think I think that the Lakers are in a position now where they can, they can practice tough love with Lonzo ball in a way they weren't able to last year when really he was, when he was for, for all intents and purposes was all they had. So it's a, it's, it's a totally different dynamic in play. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you're kind of seeing that with, with all the, all the roster moves the Lakers have made. And I thought Dave Schilling from Bleacher Report put it really, really well on Twitter, kind of as this was all going down. Mm-hmm. He said, this is not, um, this is starting to feel less and less like a, you know, a, you're trying to build a playoff roster and more like a boot camp for the young guys. And I think, I think that's true. I think that's true. I mean, the guys they're bringing in are going to challenge the players the Lakers have had. And and suddenly the standard is no longer nice young guys playing well and getting better. You know, you bring in LeBron James and the bar is raised significantly and they they're bringing in guys who say what you will about, you know, JaVale and, 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 and Lance and Rondo. But I mean, those are guys who have, have played in games with really high stakes, you got a couple of champions there. Right. Um, you know, they know how to play with a player like LeBron, or at least have been in, been in situations with players like LeBron. Sure. Do, you, you think about those young guys and all that entire group. Who's the guy who stands to gain the most from that boot camp atmosphere that, that I think we all agree is going to be a part of the process? I guess I could take that a couple of different ways. I mean, I think Lonzo Ball probably has the most room to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think, I think they hope that he responds the most. I mean, he is, um, you know, he's, the Lakers have not directly challenged his work ethic. And that's, I wouldn't want to go quite that far. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you go back to the, the end of the regular season at exit interviews, they made it very clear that Lonzo was going to need to learn how to work at an NBA level and how to, you know, make, you know, his job the biggest priority in his life. And that, and he's a guy who has a lot of distractions around him, a lot, a lot of other obligations that, you know, from big baller brand and, and his family. And, you know, there's a show and there's, you know, trips to Lithuania and all of that is, is stuff that the other young guys don't have to deal with. So for him to be in an atmosphere where um, this is how you work, I think there's the most room for him to improve. I think the guy who's going to respond the best to it is Kyle Kuzma, because that's how he already 
um, has attacked his his job and how he's attacked being a professional. I think I think he's going to thrive in that in that in that sort of setting, being challenged like that. I think he's going to respond really really well. I think the question with Kuzma is really how much more room does he have to grow? What's his ceiling? Um, he's older, obviously, so is he. Is he closer to what he's going to be in the NBA than, than some of these other guys? Probably, but he can still get stronger. He can still um, get more polished, and he's still adding, obviously, still adding moves to his game. So I, I think I think he's going to respond really well to a an enhanced work environment. That's a good way of putting it. Bill Orm of the Athletic is with us here on the Hang Time Podcast this week. Bill, for those of us who don't watch Brandon and I, and I will confess. I stayed up late watching Laker games early in the year just out of curiosity. But after it became clear who and what they were, it became less and less intriguing to watch that young group. So for those of us who only see Brandon Ingram in spurts or periodically, what is it that he possesses? What's the quality that the Lakers really love about him that has led to their resistance, you know, in in necessarily throwing him into some of these trade rumors and deals that we've heard about? They view, I think they view him as their guy who has the most upside and has as has probably the highest ceiling. Um, he's a really, really um, he has the potential to be a very, very good defender. And they've and they've made him they've really made him kind of the, the second point guard on the floor. Whenever he's on the court with Lonzo, he's able to he's able to run the offense from the wing. He's able to uh, play off ball. He's able to get to the basket and finish through contact. He's a guy who they just see as, as being kind of that Swiss Army knife sort of player that everybody's looking for, like like Giannis, like LeBron. I mean, I'm not saying he's one of those two guys, but right. but in terms of being able to, you know, you know, in baseball, the five tool player, they think they think they think Brandon Ingram is that guy. I mean, he can he can play with the ball in his hands. He can he can run the pick and roll. You know, his shot is coming along. That's probably still the biggest weakness. But you know, on, if if the Lakers had struck out on LeBron James and had kind of rolled this back for another year, he would be the the centerpiece of this team. I mean, he would be the, he would be the go-to scorer. He would be the finisher. We saw that last year. He was the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of close games. They see him as almost kind of the, that, that perfect player in the Luke Walton slash Warriors system in terms of being able to play with pace and, uh, and get to the basket. We mentioned DeMarcus Cousins name briefly earlier. <laughs> How serious was the pursuit of Cousins, if at all? I mean, I've heard a couple of different opinions about it that, you know, they weren't necessarily as enamored with Cousins as we're led to believe. Then you hear that there was maybe a chance, you know, to get him that passed, you know, and they passed on that. What's your take on the Cousins free agency and what the Lakers' involvement was? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that either. I think kind of like you, I've gotten a couple of different versions of the story. But I mean, one of them is that, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins was certainly interested in coming to L.A. and being kind of part of what they're trying to put together here. I think I think for the Lakers, I mean, you had to consider that they're trying to figure some things out right now. And Cousins is not going to be back until January, February. They probably didn't have the same amount of time to wait on him as the Warriors, who can kind of coast for the, through the first, whatever, half of the season. Right. And, and then add him to what they're doing. And I also, you know, look, I also, um, this is already getting to be a pretty combustible locker room. The Lakers have built. And I don't, and I, I don't know if they, if they pulled back on cousins, once they added Lance and JaVale and Rondo. And Rondo. Yeah, but I mean, if you, if you had signed those three guys and then added to Marcus cousins, I think my head would have exploded. I mean, I was already on the verge just after Rondo. If you had to Marcus cousins and his volatility to that, that mix. I mean, it would have just been, that might've been a bridge too far, but you know, I think, I think whenever you see a guy like Marcus Cousins take $5 million, I don't know what I mean. It's not like it's something we've seen before. Right. So like whenever you see is probably the wrong choice of words, but 
you think, oh, who else could have gotten him? And the Lakers certainly were in the mix, and they obviously had conversations about it. But I think kind of for where they are, um, the advantage would have been maybe getting him in your program and, and, and seeing if there could have been a fit long, down, long term down the road if he came back from the Achilles. But, you know, I don't think the Lakers are looking at it like there was any great uh, missed opportunity with DeMarcus Cousins either. Interesting, yeah. After hearing Paul George, his explanation and his case for sticking with Oklahoma City as opposed to the Lakers, and I, I'm, I don't know if you saw the clip where he said, well, you know, you know and he talked – effusively about LA and how much he had love for the Lakers and the the city and this and the other, but they had an opportunity to come get me and they didn't. And yeah. now, and now I'm getting the same vibe with Kawhi Leonard. Like, will this damage the Lakers opportunity with him? If he recognized that, Hey, they had an opportunity to come and get me last year and rescue me basically from the situation I was in and they didn't. So, you know, is is it a deal where they're going to rue the day that they didn't, package some of these young guys and go get Kawhi. And obviously they still have time to do, you know, to work the deal out, but might they be in trouble if they don't go get him in, in a trade? So I, I think from the Lakers perspective, I think they, they are more motivated to make a deal for Kawhi based on what happened with Paul George. Mm. Um, but I don't necessarily know that that means that they're going to get it done. And I also don't know that it's fair to say because Paul George you know, took it as a slight that the Lakers weren't willing to make the move for him, that Kawhi will respond the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kawhi is very much his, his, his own guy, <laughs> as we've learned over the last uh, couple of years. He's kind of a pretty, pretty unique individual in the NBA and, and, and will do what he wants. But I, I, think, I think the big takeaway from the Paul George deal was if you want a guy, you need, you need to go get him. But I think the other takeaway from the Paul George deal is these things just might have a way of working out. Like, obviously, the Lakers would have liked to have signed Paul George and, and reshaped their roster in that way. But they still have LeBron James. So they're going to be okay going forward. I mean, it's not like they're not going to be able to build a contender in the next couple of years. And I think that's the thing that kind of gets lost is that the Lakers have to get Kawhi Leonard just like they had to get Paul George. And things change. Things shift in a year or in over how much time. And so there are other free agents in the class of 2019. Obviously, Kawhi right now looks like the one you want to get, but he's not the guy you absolutely have to get. So if the Lakers determine that they want they want to move forward with their cap flexibility and they want to keep their young guys intact and they're not willing to part with more than one of them in a trade. And that's the, the value judgment they make. And they have to be willing to accept that they might lose Kawhi, but also remember there are other guys out there. And I think we just get very focused on individuals and make it a zero sum game where it's, you either get Kawhi Leonard or you get nobody. And it was, and that started sort of how it felt last summer was the Lakers had to be setting up to get Paul George because that was their only path forward to rebuilding. Right. And we now know that wasn't the case, but I, I do think that the Lakers are have become more aggressive, at least internally, in their thinking of how they would approach a, a, a Kawhi Leonard deal based on how things went with Paul George. And also, frankly, I think that having LeBron and you know make some of these guys more expendable. Have I, I think yeah. Brandon Ingram, as highly as the Lakers regard him, is much easier to part with now that LeBron's already in place. And frankly. You know, Brandon Ingram, I'm not entirely sure where he fits in on this team anymore. So as hard as that is to believe, given all that they've invested in him. But this is a guy, that's a guy who, I'm off on a tangent now, but Ingram is a guy who really came into his own last year, really took on the leadership of that team, really found his voice in a young locker room, and really emerged as a leader. And all of a sudden, you have four guys on this roster, three guys on this roster probably, who you would consider true leaders in the NBA right. in a way that, you know, Brandon Ingram is going to be overshadowed a little bit in that sense. I think that's too bad for him. Um, and it makes, it makes you wonder if he might be better off elsewhere anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. I just, it, it's such a delicate thing, the chemistry, you know, and the balance in that locker room you're going to have to work with. If you're Luke Walton, it's going to be, 
you're lucky. You get to his, well, jo- his job got a lot harder this week. Yes, Luke Walton's job got much much harder. Yes, and you know to to be around it on a daily basis, you guys are going to have the best pulse on how that goes from day to day, week to week. The risk factor for the Lakers, you know, and it sounds crazy to say that when you get the LeBron James, that should be your salvation. Anything that comes after shouldn't be, you know, falling into this category of how risky is this or how risky is that. Based on LeBron's age, he'll be 34 at the end of, you know, his first season with the Lakers. He'll be 16 seasons in to an, an unbelievable career. What is the the bottom line now for a Lakers team that's been in rebuilding mode for the past few years to now have this makeup in these, you know, revised expectations. Like what, what would qualify as quality progress for the Lakers? Even if they make another move, if they don't, is it a championship or bust situation now, or is it something less? I think you have to give them a year. Magic Johnson has asked for a year. He said it's a two year rebuilding process. And that was before they got LeBron, but I think it was, you know, an outline that he was putting out there kind of regardless of what happened this summer, that this is, you know, you kind of, and I think the way that the Lakers are looking at it now is they needed one year to kind of get the first domino to fall. And now they need another year to kind of get the right pieces around it, uh, around LeBron. And so in the short term for next season, I think just anything that is, you know, a, a significant step in the right direction, getting to the second round of the playoffs, winning 50 games, identifying which young players you are absolutely going to continue to build around keeping your cap space, keeping Rondo Stevenson from becoming, you know, a nightmare in the locker room. Mm-hmm. If you can prevent all that, get to the second round, win 50 games. I think that's a really, really good season. Go sign Kawhi, go sign Clay Thompson. If for whatever reason that ends up happening, and then you have to win a championship in 2019. Right. I mean, obviously that that's a huge ask, but I think that it becomes 2019 is when it becomes, excuse me, 2019, 20 is when it becomes championship or bust. I don't think with the roster, the Lakers currently have any rational sane person would say, that it's fair to say championship or bust for this team, unless they find a way to add Kawhi. And even then, I don't, I don't think that's a team that's getting through the Warriors and the Rockets in the Western Conference. So um, I think if you, can, if you can kind of fast forward a year and the Lakers have the cap space to add another max player, ideally they have found a way to move on from Luol Deng by trade and cleared up that additional space, it, a really, really appealing situation at that point. And if they can do that and still keep their young guys, you know, that's pretty hard to argue with. And that's the situation that, um, by the way, Kawhi Leonard would be considering if he is not traded to the Lakers before then, a team with oodles of cap space and a really young core intact and LeBron James, which is a perhaps an easier decision to make than the one Paul George was faced with at the time. That's a great point. Bill Orm from The Athletic joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. You know, this is maybe the last time we talk to you and you're this measured and calm. You probably You probably won't have as much of that fantastic hair a year from now. It'll it'll be a lot grayer at least. (laughs) They're going to make you pull some of it out and the other parts will turn gray, man. But you know what? I envy you because it's not often you get to be at the epicenter of something the way everybody in LA is going to be that covers that team and deals with the Lakers on a daily basis. It's, it's going to be so interesting to continue to read your work and, and follow you guys and see how this wild experiment goes. Magic, you know, Rob Polinka, Jeannie Buss, the entire organization. I mean, they're, they're used to this ride, but there's a whole generation of Lakers fans, you know, the one, the young ones, the ones who have only been around, you know, the, recently and, and people who have only paid attention the last few years. They're getting ready to go back to the Laker expectations I'm used to, the ones you're probably used to seeing yep. where 
you know, their fans expect to compete at a high level year after year. And it hasn't been that way. And now they're going to find out just how difficult that is. Yeah, if you're 13 years old, you probably don't have vivid memories of the Lakers winning their last title in 2010. That's unbelievable. Um, and and that, that is hard to believe. But, I mean, you, you made a great point. The Lakers are exactly where they want to be, which is the eye of the storm. They are the center of the NBA universe right now with LeBron James, and, and that's where they are comfortable operating. So it'll be interesting to see how the next, you know, as you said, year plays out and, and where they can take this thing. No question. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thank you for having me on. All right. Bill Orm from The Athletic joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. That's it. We'll uh, catch back up with you. Free agency continues. Summer League and all this good stuff. John Schumann hopefully will make it back by then and we'll be back to normal. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say Kuna Matata.